Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Hello. So if you don't already know me, there's two things, two very key pieces of information that you should know. And the first is that I am an only child. <laughs> I just said sorry. <laughs> and the second, which you can apologise for as well, Mum, is that my birthday is on Christmas Day. And now you understand why I am the way that I am. And so if you do know me, you know that these two things are the perfect recipe for someone who is very unfortunately self-absorbed. And so as an only child, every single day of my life was all about me, except for my birthday. (laughs) The one day of the year when it actually should be about me, it was not about me. Because the thing is, every other child's special special present day was also my birthday. It's Christmas. And so the thing is, no one actually cared about the fact that it was my birthday as much as me and my mum cared. And this is still true. (laughs) Um, What's even more unfortunate is that I love my birthday. I love that it's going to be my birthday because it's the one day of the year that I can actually justify wanting everybody's undivided attention. And I remember one year, I was coming up to my seventh birthday, and um, I was at school and I was handing out my party invitations. And um, I have to always have my birthday party like at least a week before, because it's Christmas. People have plans. I don't know why. Um, And I handed this girl in my class my invitation. And without even opening it, she just felt the envelope. And she goes... It doesn't have a candy cane in it. And I was like, it's not a Christmas card, because everyone knows that in primary school when you got a Christmas card and it didn't have a candy cane in it, it was just a useless piece of paper. Um, anyway, I was like, it's not a Christmas card, it's my birthday invitation. <laughs> and I'm still holding on to that, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I'm still salty. But while most kids get two special present days in a year... I only got one, this one day. And so the expectation and the anticipation leading up to this day for me was and still is huge. I used to count down for like most of the year to my birthday. So this year, as we finish the countdown to my birthday, sorry, Christmas, uh, we're entering a part of the, as we've already learnt this morning, the this is a tongue twister, historical church liturgical calendar. Yeah. That we know, oh, the historical church liturgical calendar that we know as Advent. Thank you, thank you. I won't say it a hundred times fast. And the word Advent means coming or arrival. And it marks the season of anticipation in the lead up to Christmas. And it's the tracking back of the expectation of the first coming of Jesus that we know now as the Christmas story and the hopeful expectation of the second coming of Jesus, looking forward to that new creation. There are typically four weeks 
of Advent, each dedicated to pondering and remembering a key biblical theme that was fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus. Hope, peace, joy and love. So today we're kicking off with hope. And hope is a good and healthy thing, right? But sometimes here on earth, when we get our hopes up, we get severely disappointed. (laughs) My friends and I, we like to go to the snow every year. And um, this year, I bought a full new snow, like, outfit. Um, It was burnt orange, matching jacket, pants. I got new gloves. I looked so good. Um, Josh got new snowboard boots, his very own, so he didn't have to rent them. They cost a lot of money, and they're, like, perfectly moulded to his feet. So good. We were so excited. And um, we are meant to be going at the end of July. And you guys can already guess as soon as I say July, you know how this story ends. But um, so June comes, the end of June, we go into a two-week lockdown and we're like, it's fine. It's only a two-week lockdown and we're not meant to go to the snow for like another four or five weeks. So we're sweet. And then lockdown gets extended by a week and we're like, no, guys, it's okay because we've still got a few weeks after lockdown finishes before we've got to go to the snow. And then lockdown gets extended by another two weeks and we're like, wait, but guys, if we get out of lockdown on the day that we're meant to, we could still make the second half of our booking. And obviously that didn't happen. So then we're like, oh, well, maybe we could go in August. Or maybe we could go in September. Or maybe if there's still snow, we could go in October. We didn't go to the snow this year. So hope is a good and healthy thing, but sometimes getting our hopes up means we get disappointed. But biblical hope is about more than circumstances and optimism. Biblical hope is not focused on circumstances, but on the person of Jesus. And there are three main words used in the Bible for this concept of hope. So in the Old Testament, so in Hebrew, there are two, uh, and if you are an expert on the Hebrew language, just block your ears because you're not going to be impressed with my pronunciation. Uh, but the first one is yakal, and I, I just can't get the throat thing. Oh, no. Um, but yakal means to wait for. So, Psalm 71 says, But as for me, I will yakal continually and will praise you yet more and more. Psalm 119, my soul languishes for your salvation, I yakal for your word. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will yakal for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So yakal, to wait for. And the second one is kavar. And this also means to wait, but it's the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. So the idea of pulling on a rope or a cord until there's heaps of tension and then it snaps and the tension is released. So Isaiah 40, those who cavar on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those who cavar for him, to the person who seeks him. So hope in the Hebrew sense is about waiting and tense expectations. In the New Testament, the Greek word for hope is elpis. And this was about the personification of hope, living hope, hope found in the person of Jesus. It was about looking back to the resurrection 
in order to look forward to the hope of all creation being renewed, so to anticipate with pleasure what is still to come. El peace, living hope. And the world in which Jesus was born into was a world in desperate need of hope. At this time, Israel was no longer exiled in Babylon, but they were instead essentially enslaved in their own country under Roman military dictatorship. King Herod ruled uh, Judea, Samaria and Galilee essentially like a police state. There was 10% up the top who controlled everything. The other 90% essentially lived in poverty. Tax systems were unjust. There was political and social meltdown. The word of God hadn't been heard for 400 years. Jewish writers at the time said the Holy Spirit had departed from Israel. Religious friction was rife. Multiple groups of religion were at tension with each other. And in the midst of this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Today, 2021, COVID, lockdowns, isolation, everything is cancelled, disappointment, fear, vaccine debates, the Amazon's on fire, the Great Barrier Reef is dying, there's plastic everywhere. 84.2 million people are displaced. Jeff Bezos is worth $210.7 billion. A woman in Bangladesh works a 12-hour day without breaks in a factory that's falling apart. She can't feed her family. And we buy the T-shirt that she made for $50. Loneliness, depression, anxiety, sexual harassment in Parliament House, cancel culture. We live on stolen land post all the right things on social media, how many likes did it get? All the knowledge in the world is in your pocket and you must consume it all. To quote Bo Burnham, who's a uh, musical uh, comedian, can I interest you in everything all of the time? Sing it with me now. A little bit of everything all of the time. Boredom is a tragedy and apathy is a crime. And amongst all this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Luke 1, uh, 26 to 28, no, 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus foretold. It says this, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Gabriel, the angel that rocks up in the story, he doesn't rock up just willy-nilly in the Bible. We know that when he rocks up, this is serious stuff. And he tells Mary that the Lord is with her and that she is highly favoured. And Mary was not important. She was part of that 90% living in poverty. She was not rich. Um, She was young, um, unmarried. And it's not like Nazareth, where she's from, was some big, important city hub. It was like some town no one had heard of. And then Gabriel says that she's going to bear a son. And not just any son, as if that's not miraculous enough, but the one that everyone's been waiting for for hundreds of years. All the prophecies about the saviour that's meant to come, that's all going to happen in your womb, Mary. And there's a lot in that, and it sounds absolutely insane. But the question Mary chooses to go with, and it's a pretty fair one, but I mean, I'd have a few more, is how will this be since I am a virgin? How? A wonder and faith-filled how? And Gabriel's response isn't one with a whole lot of details. He's just kind of like, he's a bit vague. and He's like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Bippity-boppity-boo, you're pregnant, Mary. For nothing will be impossible with God. Jaden, you can come back up. Thanks. And I think... Sometimes we don't actually need to know the specifics of how God is going to do what he's going to do. Sometimes we're just called to be along for the ride, whatever that may involve and wherever that may take us. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are called, like Mary, to be servants of the Lord. And if we are willing to have God work through us in accordance to his word, anything is possible. Mary's response is one of humble obedience. And this was not convenient for Mary in any way. This circumstance of her pregnancy would have brought a lot of shame to her and Joseph and to her family, let alone the fact that having a baby is kind of a big deal. And then the added pressure of she's raising the literal Messiah. Like, how do you discipline? That's, I can't even imagine. <laughs> it would be weird. And the thing is, God didn't even need Mary to do this. God could have just plonked himself on the earth wherever, however he wanted, whenever. But he chose to usher in his kingdom through her. He invited Mary into this story of hope and he continues to invite us into this same story. So this morning, I wonder how God wants to use each of us to point others towards El Peace, the living hope that we have in Jesus? What part would God have us play in ushering in little pockets of this kingdom of hope? And what would it look like for us to, like Mary, step out in faith humbly and obediently and say yes to being part of this kingdom of hope and this new creation that we look forward to? Biblical hope is a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that is surprising as raising a crucified man from the dead for nothing is impossible with God. A virgin falling pregnant with the Son of God, blind seeing, lame walking, a few loaves fill 5,000 bellies, 
water becomes wine, sins forgiven. God is bringing about his kingdom of hope in the most unexpected places, in the most unexpected ways, through the most unexpected people. And so if he can use a poor, unmarried teenage girl in a town that no one has ever heard of to bring the embodiment of hope into the world, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Saviour of the world in a dingy pig trough, then I wonder how he wants to use each of us to continue to write this story of hope. Jesus, thank you that we have a living hope in you. Thank you that we can look back to the resurrection and know that you are our secure hope, that your promises are sure. And God, help us to use that same hope to look forward to when you'll come again, to new creation. God, would you continue to speak to us about the ways in which you want to use us to continue to write your story of hope. God, would you show us the ways in which we need to say, yes, I'll be your servant, Lord. May we humbly and obediently say yes to being a part of your story of hope. Amen.